We all want happy, healthy families, and that quest for good health begins at birth. Sadly, many of our nation's infants have a much more difficult journey reaching their first birthday than other infants. African-American babies, for instance, are as much as two and a half times less likely to reach their first birthday than Caucasian babies. This disturbing disparity has given rise to a national forum, a forum wherein healthcare professionals, birth workers, policymakers, and family planning experts share information and ideas to combat the scourge of black infant mortality and maternal morbidity. Welcome to the GAP podcast series. Welcome, everyone, to the Gap Podcast Series. I'm your host, Lindell, and we're in for a real treat today with Sherry Tillis, CEO of Fathers, Family, and Support Center of St. Louis. Now, this organization has been in existence for decades, and I believe they're really on the leading edge of change and strengthening families and communities as it relates to fathers. And even though CEO Sherry Tillis is based in St. Louis, her work, from what I've seen, is national in both import, gravitas, and consequence. Now, as those of you know who've been listening to my podcast for both seasons, you know, we've got our eyes firmly focused on issues of black infant mortality, like maternal health and healthcare disparities in rural and urban communities. But none of these issues can be discussed or resolved independently. We're always on a mission to unsilo the issues of healthcare disparity, and we want to bring a systems thinking approach to finding solutions. As I was thinking about today's podcast, you know, I've had to really look in the mirror and just really face up to my own miserable failures as a father. I feel that every turn of the road, I feel like I failed just really at some level. And as I was preparing for this podcast and to talk to Sherry today, I was reminded of something that happened to me just a couple of years ago. I was at the child support office making a payment and actually it was my last payment. And I met a young brother who was standing in line behind me. And, you know, of course, I had on my Lakers hat. And we started talking about the Lakers and the Mavericks. And he was telling me even back then that Doncic was the truth. You know, I wasn't sold back then on Doncic, but I'm on the Doncic train now. But me and this young brother, we started our child support lament. Both of us had just become food for that hungry dragon. And this young brother was 24 years old, had four kids, and he was in arrears about 80,000. And he was telling me a story about how he never saw his children and the broken relationship with their respective mothers and how he felt he just wasn't going to be able to put his life back together as a dad or as a family. And this young brother started tearing up. And I mean, we're strangers. And me at 60 years of age, I also started tearing up. My heart went out to this kid. I wanted to tell him it was going to get better and it was going to be better. But my heart wasn't even in the words because that child support dragon wrecked my life and my relationship with two of my children. And I don't even know the long-term emotional impact on them. And even with a 35-year age gap between us, my frame was identical to the frame of this young brother. It's just been my observation that broken family relationships meander through generations and they stalk everybody breathing fire like some angry dragon. Now, what Sherry is doing in St. Louis and throughout Missouri is she's trying to help fathers navigate through this profound brokenness and move folks toward healing and solutions, and maybe even talk about ways not to find themselves in that situation in the first place. You know, Sherry is a brilliant and powerful visionary, and I'm really keen to hear what she has to say. 
So Sherry, welcome to the Gap Podcast Series. How are you? How does it feel that your St. Louis Cardinals are in first place? But you know, I'm an LA kid. I bleed Dodger blue, so I got no love for the Cardinals. But I see you hanging out at Bush Stadium, putting those pictures on Facebook. What's going on, Sherry? Hey, thank you, Lindell. Doing very well. So happy to be here with you today and have this opportunity to have this conversation. And of course, I'm very proud of the Cardinals, but we'll see how they finish out. Man, they are like, uh, I see they're six games up right now, but you know, September, man, we'll see how they're going to go, man. I'm still a Dodger fan, man. You know, growing up in LA, even though I don't live there anymore, man, I still, my heart is still all about Dodger blue. But you know, I got love for the Cardinals too, because, you know, my father pastored that church in St. Louis, East St. Louis, really for a number of years. And he loved the Cardinals and he actually loved the Browns, which I know that's like way before your time, the St. Louis Browns. Oh yeah. But he straight up loved them, man. So yeah. Well, good luck to your Cardinals this year. As long as they're not playing the Dodgers, beat the Braves. That's all I got to say. Beat the dog <laughs> out of the Braves, man. So Sherry, like, Tell me, tell our listeners really just about kind of the mission and vision and purpose of your organization. Just kind of start sketching in the foreground and background for our listeners. Sure, sure. So at Fathers and Family Support Center, our mission is to foster healthy relationships by strengthening families and communities. And we do that by using the father as the vehicle and or what has historically been the missing link in impoverished families. And so the vision that we work toward is every father is a responsible father that's committed to cohesive family relationships. And as you know, men from many walks of life have you know, just sort of had the issue of not being able to have visitation and or true tight relationships with their children because of many different reasons. But here in Missouri, never married non-custodial fathers have one right. That's the right to pay child support. Every other right that they have as it relates to being able to have a relationship with their children is only achieved through court orders. And so the organization saw this as an opportunity to provide men with the training and parenting skills and employment placement support, legal support to achieve that relationship with the children. Early on, when we first started the organization, we had the slogan that fathers make a difference. And we had to remind practitioners in the work that fathers are parents and they also love their children. Because of the way that temporary aid for needy families was set up, you know, the father could not be in the picture. And that plagued impoverished families for many, many years. And we are now seeing generational effects of those types of family structures. And the only reason it existed is because they were impoverished. And so for what we call dead broke dads, dead broke dads simply need a hand up, not necessarily a hand out. And so the organization makes a concerted effort to put in place services that will provide that father with everything he would need to be spiritually, emotionally, and financially contributing to his children. And while it's not a perfect program, we have had some amazing outcomes through this work over the past 24 years. Wow. Okay. 
I thought I understood about your organization from the conversations that we've had and from the reading I've done. But man, that explanation, it just kind of left me a little bit like I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose. I mean, a couple of things you said I want you to just drill down on for our listeners. And one of the things you said early on, Sherry, in your description is that you guys go into this with a statement that every father is a responsible father. And just starting with that frame, how does that statement alone kind of upend the traditional prevailing narrative about non-custodial, non-married fathers, simply saying every father is a responsible father, to begin with that declarative statement? How does that set the frame for where the process is going? Well, for us, it really sets the tone of how we approach the work. And so it almost causes us to work backwards from the statement. So if every father was a responsible father, exactly what would he need to be this picture of fatherhood? And so in our classes, we don't actually ask the men what they need when they come to us. We just simply give them what we know that they need. And so we have five different curriculum that we approach this work from. So if a father is going to be a good father, he would need parenting classes. And so we focus on curriculum called Responsible Fatherhood, as well as Strengthening Families. And Strengthening Families is a model that looks at ages and stages of children. It considers alternatives to corporal punishment and disciplining and teaches different styles of spending time with your children. Because one thing is for sure, children will not care 20 years from now what type of tennis shoes they wore, but they will remember the amount of time that they were able to spend with their fathers. The other component we put in place is male health and wellness and reproductive care, because as you know, we can't pour from an empty cup. And so we teach our fathers about their own physical health with the understanding that as they take care of themselves better, they will also be able to care for their children and be mindful of their children's physical and mental health. We also provide them with services that focus on financial education, just being wise about how they are spending their money, how they are respecting, you know, their money, what type of earning potential do they have, why and how they can use what they earn to fuel their future. What should they put aside and what should they budget for their household? We kind of have them to take a look at, you know, spending plans and how they can both provide for their children and for themselves, whether that be through one employment opportunity or also an entrepreneurial pursuit. And we also give insight into career pathways. We have an employment placement and retention curriculum that explores what types of skills they have as far as employability and what are their interest level, what level should they begin in an industry at, and what is the career pathway that would help them to carry that through to retirement or what type of transferable skills they actually have to pursue employment opportunities. So, you know, we take a look at these five different curriculum and build from there. Some of the uh, staff members that we employ here provide services in the classroom facilitation. 
We have social workers that will provide for any referral or resource information that the fathers would need. We also have employment case managers that help them to navigate that employment program and or those choices as it relates to their career pathway. But then we also have family therapists. We approach this work through trauma-informed lens and not asking what's wrong with you, but what happened to you? What's your story? What brought you to this point in life? And help them to unpack some of the things that they may carry forward from their own childhood into where they are today. So when we make that strong and bold statement that every father is a responsible father, we approach it understanding that he may not be there yet, but he is becoming that responsible father. And regardless of the romantic relationship with the mother of the children, he will always be the father of those children. And so when those children need him, he needs to be ready when they show up. Again, I feel like I'm drinking from a fire hose just listening to you. Well, under the heading of empowering them to make different choices, Sherry, what's the benefit, the importance to a broader societal question about why we should be advocating for fathers' rights? What's the societal benefit for that, particularly as it relates to those who say, well, why is this important? Why do we need to spend money advocating for fathers' rights? Just get into the societal importance and value of this endeavor. There is a tool from Health and Human Services, and so many social ills are connected to fatherless homes. Like, Children from fatherless homes are 20 times more likely to end up in prison or suffer from behavioral issues. They're 10 times more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol. Children from fatherless homes are nine times more likely to drop out of school or end up in juvenile detention centers. And young ladies are seven times more likely to end up pregnant if they are from fatherless homes. And so You know, you see these statistics and you don't really digest that information until you realize that this is someone around you. This is the next door neighbor. This is the girl down the street. Some of the other realities that we're seeing in our society are the shootings that have been happening. These mass shootings, just about every single one of those, with the exception of think of one or two, are teenage boys from fatherless homes. And so the correlation that we have between social ills and fatherless homes can't be denied. Oftentimes we ask, okay, so why is that? But if you think about it, fathers bring discipline to the home. And not to say that mothers aren't able to discipline their children, but the level of expectation that a father has when it comes to how their children are carrying themselves, how they're dressing, how they're talking, how they are approaching situations. You know, a father just brings a different type of energy to that. You know, a mother can say two or three times, hey, stop, hey, stop, hey, stop. Dad comes in the room with the bass in the voice and they stop instantly after the first time he says it. And so I think that there has to be some consideration given into the differences in the parenting styles 
and how fathers just interact, you know, with their children when it comes to disciplining. We're about to go to break. You are listening to the Gap podcast series. This is Lindell and our amazing guest today is Sherry Tillis, CEO of Fathers Family and Support Center of St. Louis. Stay with us. We'll be right back. almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com, or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. Welcome back. You're listening to the Gap Podcast series. Today's guest, I feel like I've been just drinking from a fire hose with the depth of knowledge that has just come from Sherry and the importance of the work that she's doing. So Sherry, we're back again. Thank you so much for being on the show. What are your thoughts about the value of just maintaining proximity in You know, if there's a geographical divide or there's a legal divide or a chasm that causes this separation, what's the value of ensuring that there remains emotional and physical proximity between biological father and child, even if that biological father is a non-custodial parent? Speak to our listeners about the value of proximity. I'll definitely speak to that. But if I could go back for one second, I think I remissed answering about advocating because these two kind of go hand in hand. As it relates to advocacy for fathers, oftentimes what I've observed over the last 19 years in this work is that fathers, regardless of how they are being treated, in most of the cases that I've seen, do not want to harm the mother of the children. And so they will not advocate for themselves through court to have custody when it relates to 50-50 and or 100% custody of children. And then kind of going forward within the um, state framework, at least here in Missouri, Missouri law won't bastardize a child. And so We've had a lot of cases in our state where fathers were deemed daddy by default, which means some of those paternity tests that were not taken didn't matter. It didn't matter that the father had not answered to the letters that were sent. It didn't matter that he may have been married to a woman that had an outside relationship that brought forward this child. He was deemed daddy by default if he was named as the father and a certain amount of time had passed, or if he was married to the mom, he was the father of this child. Now, to take a step forward and looking at things that caused the divide, 
There was a study done here in the state of Missouri, and it showed that fathers who had a child support case and also had visitation with the child were 73 times more likely to willingly pay their child support. And so you have the opposite. Those fathers who have not been given a visitation right to their children, but have only been given a child support order or more likely not to pay the child support because that bonding has not taken place. They don't have a relationship with the child. And so they don't understand and or fully grasp what their responsibility is to these children. That bond starts from day one. It really starts when the mom is still pregnant. Oftentimes, mothers will talk about how the child will begin to kick or move when the father's voice is heard, when they're still in that fetal state. But the bond between fathers and children, it's undeniable. I know for, you know, myself, I had a very strong father in my home. I didn't always agree with what he was telling me, but as I got older and am now a parent myself, I've come to learn that the things that he was instilling in us were things that we were going to need to be able to maintain a household, to be able to be responsible adults within this society. And so I think that when that relationship doesn't get a chance to develop, there's going to be some deficits that exist within those children. So give us a flavor about kind of the breadth and scope then of the organization. You know, how many people are working there? How many many fathers are you supporting? How many lives have been touched? Kind of help us understand the frame in which you currently exist and work. Sure. So Fathers and Family Support Center is currently in its 24th year. Next year, we'll be celebrating 25 years in the uh, St. Louis community. We have four locations that we run in St. Louis, City, County, and in East St. Louis, Illinois. We also have four prisons that we work within through the Missouri Department of Corrections. We currently employ about 43 staff members over the four locations to help us to serve our participants. In 2021, we served about 651 participants that came through our family formation and employment placement services. We have four programs. I think I may have mentioned our family formation, which is a six-week Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. component to where we go through all of our curriculum modules. And we have one year of follow-up that's built into that for our participants to work through goals that they've assigned for themselves. We also have a youth leadership and development project, which assists teens in making good choices, making sure that they are getting information about career pathways that they can pursue and connecting them with secondary education after they graduate from high school. Some of our teens have had run-ins with Division of Youth Services or juvenile facilities here, or they've just simply been identified from their school social workers and or practitioners within their schools. The work 
extends also to moms, which we serve through our family formation program, giving them the same six weeks of responsible motherhood curriculum in the hopes that we're able to help them to understand the contributions of fathers and help them to also create co-parenting agreements with the fathers of their children. So over the 24 years that we've been in service, we've worked with about 19,000 fathers, which equates to about 46,000 children that have been touched by the organization. Some of our most noteworthy outcomes that about 83% of our participants report that they've gained knowledge about how to have safe and healthy relationships and about 80% have gained positive parenting skills. We are currently celebrating a 3% recidivism rate with the federal offenders that we've worked with and a 1% recidivism rate with our state offenders, whereas the national average is uh, approximately 22% or more. So we're really proud of that. We also are really proud to say that through our work, child support enforcement has reported back to us in the last three years. We've put almost $5 million back into that system just from fathers and non-custodial mothers who were not paying child support, who began paying child support after having received our employment placement and follow-up services. And so we've had a very healthy life cycle here uh, in St. Louis. Uh, Last year also, we helped about 266 individuals gain and or maintain employment through the services of our employment center. And I think I also mentioned earlier, each one of our participants have five staff that they work with, a team of five surrounding them. They have a classroom facilitator that meets with them daily while they're going through the family formation program. They have an employment case manager that's assisting with their career pathway choices. They have a social worker, a family therapist, and then they also are all assigned to an attorney who assists them with any family law needs that they may have as it relates to gaining visitation, custody, or modification or right-sized child support orders. We also advocate for custody of children, but only if they are at risk of being placed into foster care. And so we believe that this full gamut of services that we provide are necessary to equip our fathers with what they need to be responsible and contributing parents. Well, we are um, we're on the downhill slope of our show. And before we close, I wanted to just give you the floor, just give you the opportunity to you know, to say anything that you want to say without regard to anything I've asked you or haven't asked you, just, you know, from the conversation we've had today, you know, what else would you like to say? What would you like to add? Well, I think when we are looking at the family picture in this country as a society, we have to realize that we should not just go into it making assumptions that mothers are the better placement in the event that there is a dismantling of the family. I think that we seriously need to consider that fathers are a viable option and need to be supported within our society in order for our children to thrive, especially when that father is of sound mind and of mental capacity to be able to take care of his children. I think that 
even though we've been around for 24 years, we're still just scratching the surface on the considerations that we need to show to this population to make sure that they are empowered in their positions in families. And I think that as we consider our communities and some of the travesties that we are facing as a culture, that we will begin to, you know, have to take a look at how we are supporting parents in raising children. And if we don't improve in that area, things are going to get more dark (laughs) than they are now. But I do believe that there is hope for our families. I believe that if appropriately supported, that fathers will play an extremely active role in raising children that are responsible and contributing portions of our society. And so, you know, lastly, I would just simply say if people are interested in getting in touch with us, they can definitely look us up. We are Fathers and Family Support Center located in St. Louis, Missouri, and we have pages on all the social media platforms and can also be reached via our website, which is fatherssupportcenter.org. Well, okay. We'll definitely make sure that as we are communicating about the show, we'll get all your social media handles and we'll just make sure that we're doing everything that we can to make sure this podcast gets heard and your voice is certainly just heard on a much larger scale. Sherry, I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. I want to thank you for everything that you're doing to make your community and this world really just better by impacting the lives of people. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. You've been listening to the Gap podcast series. And my extraordinary guest today was Sherry Tilla, CEO of Fathers, Family and Support Center of St. Louis. Thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for listening. The Gap podcast series is produced by Limeville Entertainment in association with Sagasse Media Group. Also, be sure to visit us online at 365 P-L-U-S-O-N-E dot org. That's 365 plus one dot org.